Morning. Man, so glad that everybody is here. Could you do us a favor and just be praying for snow on the 28th? I know you, you never thought you'd ever hear that from me, but we want to celebrate with some sledding and some fun stuff outside. That's going to be really hard to do on grass. I mean, we could, we could try it, but uh, snow would be awesome. Uh, I've, Charlie, I've invited you up here this morning. Um, Charlie leads our young adult ministry with his wife, Nicole, and they are doing some amazing things. And one of the things that I think is so amazing and really represents what's going on in the younger culture today is you guys are setting the atmosphere for tough conversations. Uh, started with a conversation around sexuality. You guys had another one recently on racism and how we can lean into that and be people who love and not hate. And then coming up in a couple weeks here, uh, actually this Friday, you have another one around misogyny. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what's going on? Because we want people to know about this. Yeah, this Friday, um, January 19th, we're going to be discussing misogyny. And that's a a word that you may have heard a lot, especially recently, but might not know what it means. Um, it literally means the hatred of women. Um, so I, I know that sounds extreme, uh, but it's often used to describe any harassment, abuse, or discrimination against women. Uh, and this really shapes the culture we live in, uh, because in our culture, uh, there's this assumption that the qualities that we deem to be feminine are inferior um, to the qualities that we see as masculine. Uh, this shapes our corporate world, it shapes our government, and many other areas um, in our culture. And uh, the women who step into these areas often feel like they have to suppress uh, certain qualities in order to be welcomed or taken seriously. So that's, that's kind of a, a snapshot of misogyny. And you've got a, a guest speaker coming who, kinda, who wrote a book on this. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Julie Royce, she's, uh, some of you may recognize that name. She's a former Alpiner. Uh, she also, for many years, hosted a talk show on Moody Radio called Up for Debate. And recently, she uh, released a book called Redeeming the Feminine Soul, God's Surprising Vision for Womanhood. Um, so she's a, a fantastic speaker. Uh, she's written extensively on this topic. Um, so it's going to be a great, great night to hear from her. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from her a little bit about the topic, and then there will be an extended time of Q&A, as always. We do that at our nights. You get to converse with the speaker or the panelists, and then table discussions in a small group. So. Now, we're sitting here this morning, and I know that it would be really easy for the guys to check out and say, that's for the ladies. You were reading this book recently in a public place, and somebody walked up to you. What did they say? Yeah, well... Um, First of all, I think we have this dangerous idea this, that if something doesn't uh, explicitly have to do with us, uh, it shouldn't concern us. And hmm. I was reading uh, Redeeming the Feminine Soul. It has a picture of a woman on the front. And, and someone you know, said to me, well, why would you read that? Um, I've, uh, every day of my life, I've been a white male. I don't need to read about the issues that face white males. I need to read about the issues that face the people who I love, who I care about, um, and, and understand those, the things that don't impact me every day so that I can uh, better help them. Um, you know, the, the Center for Disease Control uh, released a report in 2016 that showed uh, one in five women have been victims of rape or attempted rape. And if you include all instances of sexual violence, that increases to 44%. 
that's almost uh, every other woman has experienced sexual violence in some way. Um, I know many of you men are probably sitting next to a woman who you care deeply about. It's very likely that this issue of misogyny has impacted her greatly. And we, as, as men, as fathers, as sons, as husbands, yeah. need to understand this issue. We need to be a part of this discussion. The church, as the church, we need to stand together uh, against all forms of misogyny or discrimination of any kind. So. Awesome. Amen. And so here's what we want to do. We're inviting you out. This Friday starts at 7. Uh, the discussion will get rolling about 7.30, but it's good to get there early. To Yeah, don't, don't uh, miss the coffee at the beginning. It's going to be really good. So we start at 7, but, but the, the talk doesn't start till 7.30. So if you can't make it at 7, um, you know, still come. We'd love to have you. A lot you. different than the coffee you have now. It's a little, little bit better. <laughs> uh, but we, we would love for as many to come and be part of that conversation especially with what's going on in our culture today. But can we pray uh, that God will bring people in and that we'll have a great conversation and grow in our understanding of what it means to love everybody and value each other the same. God, thank you so much for Charlie and Nicole and the young adult ministry and their desire to lean into tough conversations. Uh, the church for so long has stayed silent on too many issues. And we want to be open and have your heart be our heart in these situations. So we pray for Friday that you would bring... Um, families, you would bring husbands and wives, and you would bring people to come and have this conversation in a way that would benefit how we treat one another. Um, you love each of us the same um, with passionate heart, and I pray, God, that the way in which we act and behave would model that. We are all um, in some way connected, whether it's brother, sister, husband, wife. Um, we have connection with one another, and I pray that you would cause this to become a value in our hearts, so that we would care about something that for too long we've not showed we cared. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank Charlie this morning for... I think there comes a time in the church's life where it needs to take a stand. And with what's going on in our culture today with misogyny and the abuse and the harassment... The church needs to speak up, and we felt as elders and leaders of this church that you needed to understand where we stand as a church in regards to hashtag me too, hashtag church too, and the devaluing of women in our culture. So we prepared this statement, and I want to read it because I want you to catch everything that is important to us that you know and understand today. Everywhere he traveled in his public ministry, Jesus teaching consistently around counter to a society that placed women at the feet of men. Explaining the secret to eternal life, he restored dignity to the woman at the well. Speaking forgiveness, he restored hope to a woman who was about to be stoned for adultery. To the many women who were ridiculed for their faith in him, Mark 14 and Luke 24, Jesus spoke honor and value, exemplifying the love of the Father, whose inspired word also tells us that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. In obedience to Jesus' teaching on fairness, rightness, mercy, and love, we, the elders of Alpine Chapel, pledge to affirm and support women who have endured violence, abuse, neglect, and injustice by creating space for them to share their experiences and by encouraging the congregation to lovingly receive their stories with care and empathy.
We're determined to stand against misogynistic elements of our culture by speaking out in favor of practices, structures, and systems that will protect women from the threat of injustice, sorrow of neglect, pain of abuse, and the terror of violence. As followers of Jesus, we are committed to articulating and modeling these values before the congregation, this congregation, the local community, and the world at large. Now, those are not just words. Those are deeply held, firm convictions. And if you're here this morning or you know of anybody that has walked that journey, we just want you to know that as a church, as a staff, as a team, we are here for you, to walk with you, to hear you, and to support you on any level. That's who we are as the church, and that's who we should be. Super excited for the second, if we can switch gears, um, to celebrate something that I think is worth celebrating. This Saturday, yesterday, for breakfast, we had close to 100 men show up to have breakfast. And man, was it a blast, and so looking forward to what God is doing in the hearts of men in our church Uh, This conference coming up for the women, amazing things, just believing for a great year for all of us for 2018. And one of the ways I think we're going to get there is that we make change. And so we started on this journey uh, at the last Sunday of December. What does real change look like? Because we've all admitted by raised hand, and if you're visiting with us, go ahead and put a hand up real quick, because we all realize that we need change. There's things in our lives that we don't like, that we want to change, that need to change. And we don't always know how to do that, and so we put willpower in place, and we say, I'm going to change it by the, by the power of my will, and that only covers up the desires that are not God's desires that often destroy us from the inside out. Or maybe we're just led by our emotions, and if I feel it, I'm going to do it, and yet what that tends to do is simply feed the desire that isn't God's desire or what he longs for. So real change is heart change, that there's a journey that God wants to take to the deepest parts of our hearts if we'll let him. We sang the song, Have Your Way. What if Jesus really had his way in our lives every moment of every day? What would that look like? It would be better than the life you're trying to live by yourself. We believe that. And many of us are experiencing that. But real change happens when we let God do the change from the inside out. And so we said, I think there are some things that we can process in this first month of January that will, that will help us on that journey to real change. And one of the things we said last week was, less is more. And I brought all my t-shirts up here and said, more is not better. There's over a hundred and some t-shirts and I'm working to get rid of them. You'll be happy to know that when I left last Sunday, I forgot them here. When I got up in the morning, I didn't have any t-shirts to wear. So I got to to feel a little bit of what it's like to not have t-shirts. I survived. It's amazing, isn't it? Because I have long sleeve (laughs) t-shirts. But less is more. Real change involves more of Jesus and less of me. That's what happens. If you want real change, you have to get to less of you so you can have more of Jesus. And we started talking about that, that it's not change based on willpower, emotion, it's heart change. It's inside out change in a culture that's focused on outside in change. And that's true. So last week, less is more in the journey to more of Jesus. We have to ask what matters most. And many of us wrote things down things that matter most to us, and yet the things that we're pursuing in life didn't even make the list of what matters most. So wouldn't it be great to invest more of our time, talents, and treasures into what matters most and less into what simply doesn't matter? And we have to reevaluate that as followers of Jesus, what does matter, because what matters is what matters to God needs to matter to us. So as followers of Jesus, we're on a heart journey, and less is more. 
So fight, and it's a fight. Man, I think sometimes we get up too passive, and we face our day passive. It's fight. There is a war going on in the spiritual realm for your soul. The enemy of your soul hates you, wants to destroy you, kill you, mess things up, but the God of the universe wants to give you life and life to the full. So you will either live by the flesh or you will live by the spirit, and whichever dog you feed is the one who's winning. That wasn't even my notes. <laughs> fight. That's what it was. Fight for what matters most, even if it means less of one thing so that you can have more or experience more of another. Less of the wrong thing and more of the right thing. So today we're talking about the fact that stress is bad. <laughs> I don't think people disagree with that. I don't. As I'm processing this, I need, I'm like, I need to convince people stress is bad. And I'm going to a little bit. But I'm sitting there going, I'm not sure we need convinced. I mean, I don't think people walk through the door going, man, how was your week? It was stressful, but I love it. Or right now I'm under so much pressure and I'm anxious about life and we're just, but, but I'm, oh, it's the best place I've ever been. I mean, I don't think we say those kinds of things. So while most major translations of the Bible don't really specifically use the word stress, stress, scripture does speak to things like anxiety, worry, trouble, and it gives us clear answers in God's word, clear answers as to how we deal with them. And so what I would love for us to do is to go to God's word this morning, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read. We've done this the last three weeks, I want to explain maybe why we do this. I think we live in a culture that devalues the Bible, the word of God. I think we've decided that we can believe some of it and not all of it. I think oftentimes we hear something from the front and it's on the screen, we think it's a good idea, we forget it comes from the word of God, that it is the word of God. I believe the word of God does not go forth void, but it comes in and it plants a seed in our hearts. And so we give it honor and we give it respect because we live in a culture where it has been devalued. And I'm not saying it's the ink in the pages that matter as much as the words that are spoken that penetrates the heart. It must become part of our heart. That's why the psalmist says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So in this moment we stand and it may feel like ritual, but to me it's much bigger than that. I've sat with Muslim people who show more respect for the Quran than we show for God's word. So I'm asking us in these moments to simply say, and I know you're not fighting me but I just want us to understand why we do this. It's to let you know that this is the word of God. And we're going to hear what God would have to say to us. So we turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians is in the New Testament. It's 11 books to the right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I just gave you a little bit of time to do that because you're quick. Chapter 4, starting... In verse 6, actually let's start in verse 4 together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Whew. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh-oh. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. 
And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that is truth to the very depths of our hearts. And I pray that we would hear this and not reject it. That we would lean in when we don't understand. And that, God, you would make clear through your Holy Spirit what you're saying to your church today. And we will give you praise and we will practice and we will live how you've called us to live, not because we have to, but because we get to, because we have a dad who loves us and we're his kids. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can have a seat. Let me define stress for us if I can. I think it implicates all of us. Stress is a physical, mental, or emotional strain or tension in our lives. How many of you have some stress? Okay, good. So it's really applicable this morning, isn't it? That's what I love about this series is it, it hits us all. But let's keep in mind as we're processing this journey to real heart change where we let God to, to the very depths of our hearts has to start with some less is more stuff. We may have to eliminate some things that are keeping us from letting God in. I think the other thing we need to do is realize that stress is standing in the way of what God may want to do in the deeper parts of our lives. And so it's bad. It's bad for that reason. Two truths to capture right away that I want you just to kind of have as lenses that we're looking through this morning. One is you can't change your past. How many of you would like to? But you can't, but God can. And he did it on the cross through Jesus. When Jesus died, not only did the power of the cross reach back and save those who had come before, but it reached forward to save us. And in light of what he knew would take place and happen in our lives, He died on a cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven and stand before a God covered by his righteousness, not ours. Man, that's good news. So you can't change your past, but God can. And the second thing is you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, but you do have today. And I think that's pretty, pretty powerful. Matthew 6, 34 said, therefore, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you find that to be true? Well, you wake up with it. It's like, yeah, hey, trouble. Hey, stress. Like when you go to bed, you sit on the nightstand, you get up and you take it back. So as long as it's called today, you and I have a choice to make, don't we? Trust God who is in control or trust yourself and those around you who are ultimately not in control. Seems like a pretty easy choice, doesn't it? You're thinking. And then Paul drops this bomb. Do not be anxious about anything. Now let me just make a defining moment here. There is some anxiety that many of us feel that seems way out of our control. And, and we are being patient as we're waiting on God to do some big things about it, but we're trusting God with it. And, and that is an anxiety that is often debilitating. But there is also an anxiousness that we choose to have. And I want to make sure that we understand those two because sometimes it takes a lot of work to deal with some of those. And I want to, I want to make lightly of some of the deep pain of anxiety that is represented in this room. But I still believe in a God that can heal that. But I want to talk about this anxiousness that comes. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. So he's talking about all of it. Do not stress. I think you could put that in play there as well. So the Bible is clarifying something for us. In this life, there will be things. There will be situations. There will be people, just saying, that will cause or create the opportunity for you to be anxious 
worried, and stressed. You got that? So you're sitting here experiencing what God knew we would be experiencing. Nothing new. Jesus is talking about it. Paul's talking about it. There is that opportunity available to us. But with that, he says, do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not be stressed. Remember Luke 12, 25 we read last week? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Somebody got a pen? You can hand it to me. Who of you by worrying can add a... It was a great throw. Still on camera. Good. It's like off camera, on camera. Here we go. Who of you by worrying? If you remember right, Zach Sikora, who's a good friend of ours, loves Alpine Chapel. He's a psychologist, came and spoke on anxiety. He held up a pen and he said, right now I want all of you to stress out and worry about me not dropping this pen. Remember this? Like with every bit, focus all your energy, center right now on, on stressing out, being anxious, being worried about me, and let's keep your, let's let your worry and anxious and stress keep this pen from dropping. Good job. <laughs> because who of you can add a single hour to your day by worrying? Worry cannot stop. Thank you. <laughs> we post seconds, so you'll miss that. So the reality of stress is that it's very real, and it's probably fair to say that living in our culture today carries with it a great amount of pressure, anxiety, and stress. And that pressure actually begins at a young age. Listen to this. Research indicates that children who live in a stressful home environment are at a greater risk of becoming highly stressed by life's challenges. Some of us as parents just went, oh. Or, huh, that explains some things. See, here's what we're told. And I want you to understand this because you're going to hear this a lot over this next year. But there's this pressure that comes in our culture today. And it comes because we're told this. Get good grades so you can go to a good school, so you can get a good job, so you can make lots of money, so you can have a good life. No pressure. Especially in a school system that often is designed to cater to a certain kid. Struggling to sometimes figure out how kids learn differently. We say, get good grades so you can go to a good school, so you can get a good job, so you can make lots of money, so you can have a good life. And I'm not saying that that is bad. I want you to hear that. None of it in and of itself is bad unless it comes at the sacrifice of what God tells us to do. Obedience to God and his kingdom trumps that process. It just does. And oftentimes, life in the kingdom following Jesus looks a lot different. Not that we don't give our best to something, but we obey God and we follow God and we trust God, not our own ambitions and our own success. But there's this pressure, isn't there? Following Jesus isn't easy, and so he knows that. Aren't you glad he knows this isn't easy? That when you make a decision to follow Jesus as a believer, it's not a religious experience. It's a day-in, day-out relationship. It's not one day a week you punch a clock. It's 24-7. How you live and act every moment of every day is important to God and should be important to us. So he promises that he'll be with us. Well, that's good. So he doesn't just know that it's going to be tough, but he promises that he's going to walk with us. And this is is good news on all levels especially for those of us who find ourselves stressed. He says things like this in Matthew 28, 30. 
Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It doesn't mean that the situations will necessarily change, but in the midst of the situations and the trials and the troubles and the storms and the stress, he will give you rest for your soul. Whoo! I just gave you some good news. And then he says, for my yoke, remember that yoke he talked about you learning from and him placing? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you just like felt like you could jump through the ceiling with that. Because we're so weighed down by stress and pressures and all that's closing in. So the starting point for dealing with stress is Jesus. I don't want to understate that. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Isn't that an amazing invitation? The God of the universe in the form of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who came and lived the life we, we need to live, who died on a cross, who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who's cheering us on, who's calling us to come. It starts with him. He actually cares about your stress. He actually cares about your anxiety. And he's given you a way out. He said, let not your hearts be troubled in John 14. Believe in God, believe also in me. We need him. He is the only one who can give us the strength that we need to deal with the life we're living. Starts with Jesus. I thought you should know that. But again, the pressure of the culture we live in is crushing us and defeating us and getting the best of us. Do you ever feel like there are days like that? Maybe I'm just talking to myself. I feel that. You lay your head down at night and think, flesh won that day. And in the midst of it, we feel huge amounts of stress. And stress can come through the many different things that are happening in our lives because life happens. For example, we're under a lot of pressure, creates stress. We're facing big changes, causes stress. We're worrying about something, that causes stress. We don't have much or any control over the outcome of a situation. That's a control issue. And it's stressful because we can't control it. Having responsibility that you're finding overwhelming could be lots of things from just being a parent to being somebody who works at a hard job to trying to please people, not having enough work or changes in your life, not being or having what you thought you would have at this stage of life. Times of uncertainty where you're just not sure what God's doing or what's going to happen. Stress. And there might be one big thing that you can identify that's causing the stress, or there might be just a bunch of small pressures that are weighing in on you, and you can't even articulate why you feel the way you feel, but it's stress. It could be personal stress, it could be people stress, it could be job stress, it could be financial stress, it could be future stress. Are you going to be stressed? I'm feeling it. Whatever it is that's causing it, we know this, stress is bad. Now, before we dive in to the cure, I want to give you one more bit of, of information that will help you understand that maybe you're too stressed because it has an impact on our lives. Emotional symptoms of stress include, you ready? Becoming easily agitated, frustrated, and moody. Hmm. Don't, don't elbow anybody. <laughs> Feeling overwhelmed like you're losing control or need to take control. Having difficulty relaxing and quieting your mind. By the way, this is research. This isn't just me coming up with things. Feeling bad about yourself. Low self-esteem. Lonely. Worthless and depressed. Avoiding others. 
Here's some physical symptoms that you'll never hear in church, at least read out loud. Low energy, headaches, upset stomach, including diarrhea, constipation, and nausea. You just thought you had the flu. Yep, we're talking about this in church. As I was processing this, I'm going, how in the world do I, but you need to hear them. Aches, pains, tense muscles. This is what stress does to us. This is physical. Unbelievable. Chest pain, rapid heartbeat, insomnia, frequent colds and infections, nervous and shaking, ringing in the ear, cold or sweaty hands and feet, dry mouth, difficulty swallowing, clenched jaw, grinding teeth. Holy cow. Cognitive symptoms of stress include constant worrying, racing thoughts, forgetfulness and disorganization, inability to focus, poor judgment, building pessimistic or seeing only the negative side. This explains it. Some of you are going, I am stressed. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> We're going to relieve you here in a second, I hope. Behavioral symptoms of stress are changes in appetite, either not eating or eating too much, procrastinating and avoiding responsibility, increased use of alcohol, drugs, or cigarettes, exhibiting more nervous behaviors such as nail-biting, fidgeting, and pacing, and we haven't even touched the long-term impact to your health. Stress is bad. Come on. I, I, I told you that already. Stress is bad. Yeah. But we'll live with it. The problem is when we live with it knowing the cure. When we live with it knowing the solution. And we know it's bad. We have stress management classes in, the, in our culture today. People go to those. There are books and articles aimed at helping us reduce stress. And some of us got on WebMD and looked that up. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we change that? Here's one I want to speak to and I want you to hear my heart. In a desperate attempt to get by or make it through the day, many of us, even in the church community, are medicating. We're medicating our stress, and maybe it's not actual medication, and there are some medications that are good and we need to stay on, and you know what those are, but there are some medications that are just taking the edge off. We need to put the medication down and talk to Jesus. He never intended you to be half there. He intended you to be fully there. He didn't give you that so that you could turn to something else beside him. We use TV in our time to just unplug and watch and disconnect to medicate instead of facing the difficulties that we're at. Drug abuse, alcoholism, it went from one glass of wine to two glasses of wine a night because that's what it takes to not be as stressed as you are. And we'll sit there and we'll watch pornography over and over and over thinking that's helpful because it medicates our stress and disconnects us for a moment from our problem. But what you don't know is it's killing your heart. So that's the world's answers. And in the midst of it, Jesus is saying, come to me. Did you hear me? This has been my truth this week. In the midst of it, Jesus is saying, come to me. The God of the universe who died on the cross, that guy who rose from the dead, who sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your own eye. He's saying, come to me. Don't go to drugs. Don't go to uppers and downers. Don't go to pornography. Don't go to addiction. Don't go to alcohol. Come to me. Whoo! That's a better option. And in Philippians 4, Paul echoes Jesus' heart. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation. Guys, I think he covers it. 
Yeah, but he doesn't. No, nope, in every situation. Yeah, but I've got to say, no, every situation. But he doesn't. Yes, he does. No. Every situation. Are you hearing this? This is wonderful news. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because the rest of those things are not helpful to your heart. And so in times of stress, what do we need most? Peace. It's the answer. Do not be anxious. Why? How can Paul say that? Because of what he said right before. And he says it, remember in verse 4 and 5. In verse 4 he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? <laughs> do you ever, when you read the Bible, you ask those questions? Why? Do you know what's going on in my life? Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I'm dealing with? Rejoice in the Lord always again, I say rejoice. Why? Verse 5, because the Lord is near. And because the Lord is near, he can say, do not be anxious. I mean, isn't that good? We're sitting there going, how can you tell me that? Because he knows and he's telling you and it's a promise and we can bank our lives on a promise that God gives. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious. Woo. We can't do this without Jesus, but we don't have to. And instead of being anxious and worried and stressed, which he says do not be, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We love formulas, don't we? We're a culture of formula. Well, God just gave us one of the greatest formulas of all time. The Lord is near. You don't have to be anxious. So in everything, no matter what it is, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. We call it prayer. We call it communicating with God. We call it the most important part of a relationship. And in this passage, Paul gives us a whole philosophy on prayer. So are you stressed this morning? Well, the Lord is near. Pray. You're like, man, is it that simple? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not simple. It's kind of proven to be a little difficult, hasn't it? And maybe that's because less isn't more. Maybe that's because we're still trying to solve the stress we've created or others have created in our lives by stress management classes and medicating with things that aren't proven to help but hurt. And so there is this, and I hope I can get this, make this clear for you because I really want to. There is this stress that we need to move away from. And so... There is, there is a, a moving away from stress so we can experience a peace of God that passes all understanding that you can't explain, but it's just present. And, and so the journey, for the journey, we've been given a vehicle and it's called prayer. And, and do you know what the luggage is? Do you know who the passenger of the vehicle is? Everything. Everything. 
everything that's happening, everything that you are, everything that you're walking through, bring that on a journey of prayer and petition. Do you know what petition or supplication means? A pleading. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back real quick to this everything because I want you to hear this. There is nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for his fatherly care. Do you get that? And maybe the picture that we need is my son who's four years old or any one of my kids. Man, they will bring it all to mom and dad. The good stuff, look what I did. And the, I got a hangnail and it hurts and I don't know what to do about it. And what do you do in that moment? As a parent, you stop everything. Or at least you should. I just, I just, I, I said that. But at least you should. And we'll make sure that that hangnail is off and everything is good. And as a little child, man, they bring it all. And they're not hesitant about anything because they know the heart of mom and dad. And man, I got to tell you, whether it's something big or it's something small, whether it's something you're celebrating or something you're battling, bring it to God. He says, pray, come before God, because that posture, whether it's getting alone with him in the morning, whether it's kneeling, whether it's laying, whether it's in bed or on the side of the bed, it doesn't matter. The moment you move towards God, he moves towards you. It's a promise. And you will say more in this posture than anything with words. Because prayer is an acknowledgement that I can't do this, you can. I've been practicing this every day. I'll roll out of bed right to my knees this morning, the same thing, five minutes of just silence with God. It centers my day. Reminds me of who he is. And then there's this, there's this prayer and there's this vehicle of prayer and supplication and requests. See, we can pray for ourselves. Isn't that good? We can pray for forgiveness for the past. We can pray for things we need in the present. We can pray for help and guidance for the future. We can pray, take our own past, present, and future into the presence of God, and he will heal, and he will bring wisdom, and he will bring grace, and he will bring mercy. Isn't that good? And we can pray for other people. We can plead to God for other people. I got to tell you, I just went through a time as the pastor of this church was just unclear where we were headed, and I'm the leader with the elders. And God just wasn't, it was like, ah, I know the capital campaign was awesome when we got rid of the mortgage, but now what? And I started pleading with God. Like Moses pleaded, God, we are not moving from this place unless you go with us. Please, God, you got to go with us. And I began to pray, God, I need you to show us where we're headed because I'm not moving forward. We're not moving forward. We'll just do church Sunday after Sunday until you speak and tell us what to do. But tell us. I mean, I was crying over this thing. And then God started to download it. Man, it wasn't in my timing. He knew it too. And the prayers got more and more desperate and begging. I'm not moving unless you go with. And then God responded. And man, he may not respond in your timing. And you may not like the response, but he does respond. Because it's his promise, he's near, and he knows what's better for you than you know about yourself. So the vehicle is this prayer and petition and request that we get to bring to God, and it's the greatest thing. And then the gas, whoo, the thing that gets this baby moving is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving must accompany prayer. Every prayer must include thanks for the privilege of prayer itself. When I go before God, I'm like, thank you that I have the opportunity to do this right here. 
Who will ascend the hill of the Lord but those who have clean hands and pure hearts? And so we come in with that heart to say, God, thank you that I could come. Forgive me. Set my feet on the right path. I mean, it's just talking to God like you would talk to each other. Paul tells us we must give thanks in everything, joys and sorrows. So that implies two things. It implies gratitude and perfect submission to the will of God. That's what it implies. It is only when we're fully convinced that God is working all things together for the good that we can really feel towards him the amazing gratitude and the believing that prayer demands. And he is another promise working all things together for your good because you're his kid. And so I can come and say, God, thanks even for the tough things. Consider it pure joy, James 1.1, when you face trials and difficulties of many kinds because God... Who cares what comes next? Because God. And so we come with thanksgiving. And so the outcome or the result is the destination. It's peace. Verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, peace is the fruit of believing prayer. You believe and trust the God you're praying to is in control, then peace comes. I want you to hear this. That peace will actually guard your heart. That's what it says. The Greek word Paul uses here is a military term. It means standing on guard. Peace is standing on guard of your heart. Stresses come, circumstances come, difficulty. No, I got Jesus. I'm okay. No matter what happens, I'm okay. God's got it. He's in control. I've talked to him this morning. And he reminded me by the power of his spirit within me that he's got me. And I may not know the outcome, but I'm trusting. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, it's available for all of us, but not just any peace. And I want you to get the peace which transcends all understanding. Just go with me for a second because I'm not sure you know this. This was a fresh revelation for me. It doesn't mean that the peace of God is such a mystery that we can't understand it. Do you get that? I mean, we, we really can't understand it. That is true. But that's not the meaning of this. It means that the peace of God is so precious that our minds, with all of its skill and all of its knowledge, can never produce it. Stress management courses, great ideas, can't produce it. The things you're using to medicate, can't produce it. God's peace can Man can't create it, only God gives it. And so we go to God in prayer. And what does God do? He gives us his peace. And we go, I don't know why, but I'm no longer worried. Simply put, the way to peace is in prayer. To entrust ourselves in all we do, all we hold dear to the loving hands of God. Here's the tension to manage, and I'm going to close with this thought. And some of you will love to shoot holes in this, that's fine. You'll miss the point if you do. That's an encouragement to not shoot holes in this. (laughs) Because I think at the base of this is some real truth that we need to grasp and wrestle. If I'm sick and I know the cure, but I don't engage it, then I have to conclude I want to be sick. If I'm sick and I know the cure... And I want to be healed no matter what it takes. And I want you to get this. And I don't engage that cure. And I have to conclude I want to be sick. 
as a follower of Jesus, who has been called by the God Almighty to come to him through Jesus Christ in prayer, to present your prayers and supplications and thanksgiving and requests to God. He will give you a peace, not always the answer, not always the end of the circumstance, but he will give you a peace. He's going to pull you close. If as a follower of Jesus, I know and I understand that and I am still stressed, I am stressed because I want to be. And then to lean into prayer and not pray is often because I don't want to. And I'm telling you, these are tensions to manage because the bigger issue for me is why don't we want to? And you're saying, man, I, matter of fact, let me maybe put it this way. I believe that if we pray, it comes from three different hearts. Have to. So we're hearing this, we're going, man, this is great. So I, I need to do this. I have to do this. So what everybody else is going to be doing, I have to do this. I think you missed the point. It's like me saying, well, I have to spend time with you this week, Tim. <laughs> I'll be ready. Brad, have to spend time with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of like, doesn't, doesn't feel good. Then there's this, I want to. And some of us sit here going, no, I want to, but we don't. So you really have to question the want to, right? But we're like, I I want to. And that's great. We have some that have to, and maybe there's some health in leaning into that discipline as God's working on your heart. Some of us want to. I think that's good. I think there's a third place that we have to go. And it's need to. Here's what I mean. Take out the piece of paper, the message notes, and a pen real quick. See, again, you're in church. It's not just sit and listen. It's participate. If you take out that piece of paper, those of you who want to do this, if you like got good things and you, can, you got a pen in your mind and you can write this down, that's fine. But I want you to write on that piece of paper the things that stress you out the most, the things you're most anxious about, the things you're worrying about. I want you to write those down. If you don't want to write those down, write them in your head because you know them. They're there because you all raised your hand at the beginning of your stress. So what are you stressed out about? Write them down. And as you're processing that, we're going to come to some realizations this morning. You got this list. Some of you could write all day. Some of you is one big thing. Some of us in our mind, we're trying to choose what we want to actually admit. Here's the question. Of those things that you've just written down, those things you've listed in your head, the things you worry and stress and are anxious about, what of those things in your worrying and anxiousness and stress can you change? none of them. There's no amount of worry, no amount of anxiety, and no amount of stress that will change those things. And so we hold this 
and we say, God, we need you because we can't. But you can. And it doesn't mean you're going to change these circumstances, and maybe you will, and maybe you'll bring wisdom into my life that will cause me to shift and focus and things will change. But more than anything in the world, I need you to pull me really close. And I need to be sure in my soul that you're with me. And the way you do that is you get alone with God and you're just with him. And you talk to him and you plead with him and you listen to him and you enjoy him because you need him. Because you can't change it. You can't create peace, but God can. That's great news. And in prayer, he gives you that peace. It's a promise. Maybe not in your timing or your way, but it comes. And one day you wake up and your heart's been so changed that you can't not pray. It's just in you. And the first thing you say to somebody who shares a difficulty is, let's pray right now. The first thing you do in the morning is you get alone and you say, God, today's yours. May I be an image bearer of you today. And you say, God, this circumstance that came up today, I can't change in my worry and stress, and so I give it to you. Would you bring peace to my heart? I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you in this room would say that by going to God with the difficulties of life, whether they be anxiety, stress, worry, trouble, by going to God and being with him, you encountered that peace that goes beyond understanding. Would you stand to your feet? So I'm really thankful to God today that we're living testimonies of this truth. So why in the world would we let any stress linger? Why in the world would we worry? Why in the world would we be anxious when he said, don't? I got you. And we encounter that by just being with him. So why would we avoid it? And if we avoid it, we avoid it because we don't want to. And why don't we want to? Great thoughts to wrestle. Measure your heart. If you pray, if you pray, do you pray because you have to? God has some work to do. If you pray, do you pray because you want to? That's a blessing. If you pray, do you pray because you need to? Because you've realized that without God, we are nothing. What might happen if in praying you find peace that passes all understanding? And so we pray. Eugene Peterson said, the Psalms, reading the Psalms is how most Christians, for most of the Christian centuries, have matured in prayer. You say, man, I don't know what to pray. Well, when you want something, you won't stop until you figure it out. But a great place to start is read a Psalm a day and listen to how the Psalm, the writer of the Psalms prayed. The laments, the celebration, the difficulty, the honesty, the heart open before God. My challenge to us this morning is that we just obey. And if there is stress and worry and anxiety, that we keep taking it to God. 
Because in taking it to God, we find peace. And in finding peace, we can deal with anything that comes. But pray. So the greatest enemy of your soul every day is busyness. Keeping you sidetracked, living in the past and the future. Keeping you from taking care of today in prayer. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's all day, whether it's in the evening, we pray. And I've got to confess something to you and ask your forgiveness. We have not been a praying church. We've not created space and opportunity for the church to come together and pray. Because it is in our hearts to do so. Because it works. Because we need to. If we're going to accomplish this vision God's put in front of us, we got to pray. If you're going to accomplish the plan God has for your life, we got to pray. So it goes beyond just personal prayer. It goes to the corporate church prayer of us coming together. Man, we're two or three gathering his name. Woo! That we get to lift up his name together. That we get to storm the gates of heaven with our prayers and petitions and requests, our pleadings. So I'm going to do something crazy. This Thursday, I'm going to invite whoever has a longing in their heart to say, man, this is This is big. And this is part of the heart change that doesn't need to happen just in me, but in our church, in our culture, in our world. So we don't have to stand and read statements like this, though we will every time. This Thursday, 7 o'clock, from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, we're going to bring what we wrote on these cards, and together we're going to present them to God. And we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to worship together, and we're going to say, God, we're not, we're not doing this without you. We need you. And it's obvious. And I'm not going to beg you to come. I'm just saying, if it's in your heart to do so, then join us. I'll be here. My team will be here. The elders will be here. And we're just going to pray and say, God, we're done. Done with our way, our things, our stresses, our anxieties. We're given to you. And I believe we'll find healing and I believe we'll find peace. So God, in this place right now, every person, I pray with all my heart, they will discover you in a real way. That once and for all, we'll lay aside religion that attempts to change us from the outside in. And we will go before you in the quietness of our home or in the place of the gathering of your people and we'll say, God, my life is yours. I surrender my heart to you. You are the Lord. You are the King of the kingdom and the Lord of my life. Lead me. And in that beginning, in that place, we will begin a relationship with you, God, that is full of constant communication, constant listening, constant being, receiving your grace and your mercy and your love when for so long we've been told we didn't deserve it. Receiving, God, in those moments, healing of brokenness and hurt and pain. In those moments in your presence where addictions can be dealt with. We can be free. We don't have to pop a pill to get through the day. We can go to you. We don't have to turn to something we're addicted to or a substance, but we can turn to you. We don't have to turn to just people, but we can turn to you. God, I just pray that you would open the floodgates of heaven and by your Holy Spirit, you would give us a heart and a passion to pray, to be with you, to know you. And God, we will become a people that just pray because it's in us to pray. We can't live without it because we need it. And we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May you find peace. And may we as the church be the most peaceful, unstressed group in our culture. And may that be a witness of Jesus. We love you. Have a great week.